1 Timothy chapter 2, some words that I think help us wrestle with the question, uh, where do you stand when you pray? What do we believe about prayer? What do we believe about the God we pray to? Some important things to think about. Would you stand with me as we hear these words of Scripture? 1st of all then, I urge the supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone, for kings and all who are in high positions, so that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and dignity. This is right and is acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, there is also one mediator between God and humankind, Christ Jesus, himself human, who gave himself a ransom for all. This was attested at the right time. For this I was appointed a herald and an apostle. I am telling the truth, I am not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Prayer is right at the heart of what it means to live the life of a disciple. And prayer is, on one hand, as simple as talking to God, simple as listening for God. Prayer is as simple as just sitting with God, showing our heart to God so that we can see it clearly too. But on the other hand, prayer and the life of prayer raises some challenging questions and complicated questions in our life. Does prayer change things? And if it does, why doesn't it always change things? We've had very many birthdays at all, we probably have felt in a moment or two of our life, like the author Sylvia Platt, who said, I talk to God, but the sky is empty. I pray, but I'm not sure what happens. Does prayer change God? And if prayer changes us, how does it change us? In the great 20th century Danish philosopher Kierkegaard said, the intention of prayer is not to influence God, but to change the nature of the one who prays. We've always, from the earliest times of Christianity, wrestled with this idea of prayer and the power of prayer in our life. As you know by now, one of my favorite uh, shows is Seinfeld. And uh, I like Seinfeld because George Costanza is such an interesting character who says what sometimes people think but are too appropriate to say it out loud like he does. In this particular clip, uh, it's at a time in the series where NBC, the network, has approached Jerry about writing a pilot for a new sitcom. And for some reason, Jerry is crazy enough to ask George to be his co-writer. 
and uh, if the pilot gets picked up, they'll have a TV show. It's a storyline that just lets them make fun of the Seinfeld show, which is a show about nothing. But when faced with the possibility of being successful, George finds himself in a real dilemma because he's very comfortable with seeing himself as a loser. And so he reveals where he stands with God, where God and his life intersect in this clip, first with his therapist and then with Jerry. What if the pilot gets picked up and it becomes a series? That'd be wonderful. George will be rich and successful. Yeah, it's exactly what I'm worried about. God would never let me be successful. He'll kill me first. He'll never let me be happy. I thought you didn't believe in God. I do for the bad things. I told you God would never let me be successful. I never should have written that pilot. Now the show will be a big hit. We'll make millions of dollars and I'll be dead. Dead, Jerry. <laughs> What a weird place to stand. I believe in God for the bad things, right? It's important for us to know where we stand with God. And it's important for us to grow into our life of prayer and to wrestle with these hard questions, to commit ourselves to prayer, to learn the different disciplines of prayer. But I believe it's important to lay a good foundation for that, to really wrestle with the questions of, who is this God that we pray to? What is the desire of God's heart? What is God's greatest desire, not just for me, but for the world? To know where we stand when we pray. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, this text is all about this very question. It is about the appropriate place to stand, the appropriate place to start in praying to the God of Jesus. Dr. Abraham Smith, who is a, a world-class New Testament scholar and one of my favorite colleagues from my time on the faculty at Perkins at SMU, says that these words in the beginning of this chapter of 1 Timothy says that Christians through their prayers are to reflect the breadth of God's concern for the world. We're supposed to care deeply and love deeply because God's love and care for us is so broad that it includes everyone, including us. All. All shows up a lot in those seven verses. It begins with, first of all, great way to begin a conversation. But then verse 2, we should pray for all. Verse 4, God desires that all be saved. Verse 6, Jesus gave himself as a ransom for all. All is important in understanding where we stand. When we pray, we are praying to a God whose love is for all, whose heart is for all people. And you think about the time in which these words were penned. It's even harder to comprehend than it is now for us. It's even more overwhelming then than it is now. They lived in a world where nothing was about all. 
nothing anywhere, no organization, no understanding of society, no philosophy was about all. To say God loves all was to say God's love is for Jews and Gentiles. God's love is for slaves and free. God's love is for rich and poor. God's love is for male and female. No, nothing existed in their world before this moment in time that thought everyone was equal in the eyes of God. When we start off in a right relationship with God, we are dealing with a God who is at work in this world tearing down the boundaries and the walls that in our sinfulness we always try to build to separate us, to separate us from one another. When we stand in this right place and take this kind of love, this overwhelming, all-encompassing love as our starting point of prayer, it will change us. It changes us because we are saved from the sins of arrogance or exclusion or elitism or anything around our faith. We are overwhelmed with the idea that we are a part of the all that the writer speaks about in this text. The intent, verse 2 says, of our prayers is this, that we can live a, a quiet and peaceable life in godliness and dignity. That's the intention of all the prayers. That we can live a quiet and peaceable life in godliness and dignity. Godliness is about our piety, that we would live a life that would, shows that we feel an obligation to God, that anyone who knows us, that works with us, that lives on our street, anyone that we interact with, they would know that we feel a deep devotion to God. That's what it means to live in godliness. And to live in dignity means that we would live that life in such authenticity and with such consistency that even people who don't believe, people in the greater society, would look at us and respect us. Because when that happens, we are able to influence our society. They are praying that they might be able to influence their world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is a bold comment to make because it means that unlike some other religious groups of that time, those who were following Jesus were not going to withdraw from the world, go out into the desert and live in a little community untouched by the world, become too heavenly-minded to be any earthly good to anyone? It's a statement that this group, these who follow Jesus, are going to live into the world and live for the sake of the world. That what we do is all about everyone, all coming to know God's love and grace in Jesus Christ. We need to hear that today. We need to hear that. I never need to go to prayer assuming 
God agrees with me. I should always go into prayer with my deepest desire to be that I will come out on the other side agreeing with God. That God can make me over and over and over into the person God wants me to be and that God needs me to be for the sake of the world. It's all about all. It's about God using us to reach all. When these words were written, pray for those in power, people didn't live in a modern democracy like we do. Think of the, how those words would sound if you lived a conquered people oppressed by the Roman Empire, persecuted by the Roman Empire. And Paul says, pray for all in power over you. Pray for those even who do you wrong, who harm you, who hold you down, who hold you back. Astounding words. But the intention of that is not pandering for privilege to the powerful. It is to gain the respect that they can influence that power with the gospel of Jesus Christ, that they could change the world into a place that reflected God's heart and God's love for people. Now I have to tell you, over the years of my ministry, I've had a lot of people say when this is the scripture text or this is the topic we're talking about, they give me this. Oh, Barry. Sweet little idealistic Barry. That's not the way it works. It's not the way it works. One of my favorite uh, Andy Griffith show episodes is when o little Opie and his friends are forming a club and they say, well, what are the rules and how do you get in? And somebody said, why do we need that? And they said, well, if everybody can get in, it's not a club. Right? You've got to keep somebody out to be a club, right? Unfortunately, too often throughout the history of our human race, religion has become like that. That the purpose of reaching all has been changed into the purpose of keeping. What about this group? What about that group? What about people who do this or do that or think this or think that? Somebody has to win. Somebody has to lose. That's just the way of the world. And that's exactly the point. That's the way of the world. We are called to live God's way, not the way of the world. We are called to live in a way that reflects God's love for all. It doesn't diminish our reverence for the work God is doing in the world through Jesus Christ to see that it belongs to the world. What diminishes God's work in Christ in the world is when I want to limit God's love because it makes me feel better. All is about all. How the work of God in Jesus ends is a mystery. I don't know how God figures all this out. 
I don't know what it looks like when all things are reconciled together in Christ the way the New Testament teaches. That is the ultimate culmination of God's salvation in the world. And we don't know what that looks like. And we don't know what that sounds like. And we don't know how that gets accomplished. Even though sometimes preachers like me tell you they do. They don't. It's a mystery of the gospel. And it's a mystery that the only appropriate response to is praise and humility, and gratitude, and commitment that I am going to live my life in a way that this news gets out to anybody who knows me, whose path crosses mine in the day-to-day life God's blessed me with. How that all works out is God's work. We are called to commit ourselves anew to our work. And our work is being a witness to the love of God in Jesus Christ, that love that is so vast that it even includes me and you, whoever we are, whatever we've done, wherever we've been, whatever anybody else has done to us in our life. That's our work, is to bear witness to that good news that always changes people's lives. Standing in this place when we pray, starting with God's love for all, changes us. It changes how we see ourselves. Even in our sin and our failures and our bad decisions, we see ourselves as loved and forgiven. To stand in that place changes how we see each other because in all of other people's sin and failures and bad decisions, we see them as loved and forgiven by God. To stand in that place when we pray makes our whole life a reflection of God's love into the world and it makes us witnesses to reach others with the good news All is a beautiful word in the scripture. Mother Teresa, in talking about God's great love, wrote this. May God break my heart so completely that the whole world falls in. Isn't that beautiful? May God break my heart so completely that the whole world falls in just like the whole world is in the heart of God. May it be true of us. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.